The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. And Aaron, Week 7 is in the books. It was an amazing weekend of college football games, and we certainly have a lot to talk about. Yes, we do. Of course, the biggest news of the weekend, especially for most of our listeners, was the number 3-ranked Georgia Bulldogs falling to South Carolina between the hedges in double overtime, 20-17. to 17. LSU beat Florida. Oklahoma beat Texas. Wisconsin beat up on Michigan State, notched their fourth shutout of 2019. Let's just dive right into this, Murray. Obviously, we should probably start with the Bulldogs, who are now ranked number 10 mm. in the latest AP poll. They're behind Florida. They're behind Notre Dame. And I know a lot of fans are freaking out for good reason. Jake Fromm played a terrible game, four turnovers. You can't overcome that, especially when you don't even get one takeaway. The pick six before half was an absolute killer. The blocked field goal before half was a killer. The missed field, I mean, I could Everything stop right was. there. It was, it was just a tough game for the dogs. My phone it was blowing up all day Saturday, just like, what's going on? Then I had people who hate Georgia text me, ha, 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 you oh, guys yeah. suck, you're overrated, I told you you're overrated. And I had people like, man, Aaron, wait, break it down for us. Like, yeah. what went wrong for the dogs? Why aren't we getting it done, especially on the offensive side of the football? And and, and you can blame the, the lack of experience at receiver you can blame Jake from for just having an off day. And it wasn't just interceptions. I mean, there are some plays you saw some of those checkdowns where he usually hits them. I yeah. mean, there's numerous times where ball was behind, wasn't even, didn't even give his receiver or running back out of the backfield, the opportunity to even, even have a chance to make a play. But my number one thing right now, like I said, it wasn't the receivers, Offensive it wasn't line. the O line. No, it wasn't the running backs. It wasn't Jake from it's the fact that we don't have a threat at tight end. Wow. I think this is the biggest issue for this Georgia offense going okay. forward because when you go going forward in the rest of the schedule, when you play Florida, when you play Auburn and, and defensive lines that can actually match up pound for pound with a Georgia offensive line. I mean, these guys are big. South Carolina was big, oh, physical yeah. up front. You just couldn't think you couldn't just win four quarters of running the football. This is the first time we've seen that the offense line not getting it done. You're going to face us, like I said, versus Florida. And you're going to face that versus, versus Auburn. And if you make it to the SC championship game, you'll face it first Alabama or LSU. So teams can play six in the box. They can stuff the run. 
and they can play two high safeties with good corners on the outside against our receivers who they can make plays, Can't get but they separation. can make catches, and that's it. There's no separation. It's yeah. not Alabama or LSU where it's a catch and yak. Our guys catch the ball, and it's they're down. That's it. They, they, they'll they make a contested back shoulder. That is it right now. You So this is where I get back to my tight end thing. You need a tight end who can win. Yeah. You need a tight end that can win one-on-one versus linebackers, that can win one-on-one versus safeties, because if a team's going to play cover four or cover two, that's kind of your go-to guy. That's the, They're saying, listen, we're big enough and strong enough to stop your run. We're going to protect our corners with two high safeties over top, and we're going to put our linebackers on your tight end, and we're just not taking advantage of it because we're not, we're not athletic enough for that position. So I think that, to me, is the biggest reason. I mean, there's a lot of issues right now for this offense after watching this game in the, in the past couple of weeks and even going back to Notre Dame. But that, that would be my number one thing that that's that's going to hinder this offense from moving forward. I, I could not agree with you more in those types of situations, which they dealt with on Saturday, consistent pressure on Jake from not being able to develop the run game, having that security blanket at tight end, allowing the quarterback to know if X, Y and Z aren't there, I can probably dump off to my tight end, get some positive yardage and stay ahead of the chains. Well, it's not there right now. It's just simply no. not an option. If you if, if I'm a defense, you know, goal number one, stop the run. And then goal number two is just, you know, if we can stop these receivers on the outside, that's the only threat. A safety is no worry right now about a tight end. So yeah. now a safety can cheat to one side or the other based on the formation. If you're in a three by one, he can cheat back to the one receiver side because most of the teams, if you get a one on one matchup, the quarterback tends to go to that matchup. Well, now a safety is like, screw that. I don't I have no threat of a tight end going up the field. Let me kind of play to the weak side a little bit. Help my corner who's stuck on an island right now. And 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 like I said, that's when you want a tight end that can make plays. I mean, that's when we had Orson Charles. Yeah. That's when we had Arthur Lynch making plays. Aaron look at White. Isaac. Look at Isaac last year. Well, I mean, look at all these other teams that yeah. I mean, teams that maybe that have good receivers. Let's look at Florida for look for at example. what Notre Dame did to Georgia. Yeah, but look at Florida right now with Pitts. Florida has really good receivers, good receivers. They're not LSU. They're not Alabama, the, the ability to create separation. So what do they do? They use their tight end to make plays. They yeah. use their tight end in one-on-one formations to to really screw around with defenses. And Pitts had another good game this weekend versus LSU. We don't have that, and it, it's, it's hurting the offense now, and it's going to hurt this offense going forward when we face really tough defenses and we have a couple of them left. There's no question. And you got to give South Carolina a lot of credit. Look, we talked about it last week and Aaron, you said this is not going to be an easy game for Georgia. You took the points of South Carolina and said, I think Georgia's going to win, but it's going to be a close game. Anybody who knows SEC football knows that South Carolina has talent, especially on defense, yes. man. Those are big physical the dudes on the defensive on the- line and those long corners, dude, that guy, I forget his name, Manungale or Israel. whatever his name. Yeah, Israel. Israel. He had three picks on his own, and that house call. I mean, he was opening up the gate, and it was no contest for that pick six. I want to ask you about this because a lot of people are pointing at James Coley, pointing at the play calling of Georgia's offense, and calling for more creativity. One thing I didn't really understand, and I am all for committing to the run even when it's not there let's stick with it look the offensive line was not getting push you were watching it on tv they were not winning the line of scrimmage i want to know from a quarterback's perspective especially from you you played with Gurley, you played with keith marshall but you guys also had good fullbacks what do you think about continuing to run the ball out of single back formations in between the tackles 
DeAndre I, was being thrown in between the tackles with no fullback lead help. And to me, it just kind of seemed like he was getting swallowed up quickly with no options to go right or left. See, I, I don't like bringing more guys to the party, so I'm fine with 11 personnel. So one, one running back, one tight end, and running the football that way. I just think you have to then continue to add on to the RPO game on top of that. Yeah. If teams are stopping the run, if they're going to put more guys in the box, you need bubbles, uh, whether it's a three-by-one or a two-by-two formation, that slot receiver. I mean, look at Alabama yesterday. They threw a bubble screen versus Texas A&M for a 30-yard touchdown. Yeah. And I know they have better receivers, but if the number counts there and you have the ability to throw a quick little bubble and you get two good blocks on the outside from your other two receivers, that's that's a possibility to get 10-plus yards. And, and, and that's what I talk about over and over again. That essentially is a run play, and and every coordinator I've ever been around, every head coach I've been around, from Bobo to Andy Reid to Matt Nagy, that if you can get three yards in the pass game by throwing a, a quick slant, a bubble, a just a receiver one hitch, we call it a smoke route. So he goes one step, comes back. If he can catch it and at least get three yards, take Positive it play because it's, play. A, it's that is essentially a run play. And then it forces the defense to come up and press a little bit, and then you can take shots on top of it. So I think that's how you that's how you can become more creative in the run game. And I think you're seeing more and more offenses do it, whether it's Oklahoma, whether it's Texas, whether it's Alabama, well, it's LSU, because it's it's tough to run the football. It really is. I mean, even in the NFL, it, it it's tough to consistently run it day in and day out, week in and week out, versus these defenses. They're just too big and physical up front. So what do you do? You, you build off of it. And, and you say, like I said, these passes are going to now be considered our run game. So I think that's how their offense kind of needs to open up going forward. You say it's tough to run the football. Georgia committed to it. Swift had 23 carries for 113 yards and a touchdown. Here are some stats for everybody to listen to. You can talk about play calling. You can talk about game time. You can talk about whatever you want to blame this on. But here are the statistics, and it tells the whole truth. Georgia had 468 total yards. South Carolina only had 297. Georgia had 30 first downs in the game. South Carolina only had 16. Georgia held the ball for 36 minutes and 4 seconds. South Carolina possessed the ball for 23 minutes and 56 seconds. Georgia had four turnovers and yep. South Carolina had none. That is how you lose a football game. Aaron and I talk about it all the time. High school, college, NFL. Any well, sacks coach, too. Look sacks at too, look I'm, at the sacks. We we had Georgia once again, no sacks for Georgia's offense. I know second half when when joiners in there there's less of a chance of a, a straight drop pack is more of you know let's try to contain him as much as possible but no sacks once again the defensive line is not getting any negative plays in the pass game um and i think that's going to be something that needs to be worked on i mean that was a problem last year and it's been very inconsistent this year as well any kind of ability to get after the quarterback just bringing four guys there's no question you have to affect the passer and don't forget this was a third string quarterback who started the day at wide receiver okay he started the day at wide receiver Halinski was balling he was doing pretty well actually I was not upset with how the defense was playing the defense was okay Right, It wasn't some barn burner game. South Carolina was getting first downs, there's no doubt about it. But I'm sitting here going, hey, if we're going to go like this, offense should be able to find something and start putting the ball in the end zone with a halftime adjustment. I'll give Kirby a lot of credit. Before the South Carolina game, I had always been 100% on par with his halftime adjustments and how Georgia came out if they played slow. 
in the first half. This weekend, that was not quite the situation. Um, situationally, Georgia lost this football game. Aaron, you mentioned it. Sacks, they gave up explosive plays. South Carolina scored on defense. And then we need to talk about what happened at the end of the game. All right? End of regulation. South Carolina, I was shocked. That, they that, was, tried that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen goal. a coach do. I mean, that's... I did not believe they tried a 57-yard field goal. The kid had never made anything past 50 except... Saturday, he made a 50-yarder, correct? He yes. put three on the board. So I guess they said, hey, there's 50 seconds left in the game. Let's try a 50 with Rodrigo yard. With Rodrigo on the other sideline. I'm right. like, that's that's almost equivalent to last year or two years ago when Kirby decided to, do, to fake punt the ball versus Alabama yes. and give them a short field to go there and score correct. to win that football game. I think that this was the same thing. It really was. I'm like, what is Muschamp doing? Either you go for it because you have a better chance of getting it going for it, or you punt the ball and play for overtime. But don't – that was – if you want to talk about just the stats in your head of percentage chances of him making the field goal, it had to have been about like a, a 10% chance. Yes, at, you at going, 60. At 60, I would put it maybe a little bit lower than 10%, but, but certainly above a Hail Mary. Yes, a barely above a Hail Mary, but going for it on fourth and what, one, one and a half, two? That's oh, you're 50, talking 50. about must champ. Yeah, I'm talking about Muschamp. Yeah, there was a 0% chance that kid was making the kick. It was yeah, way so right and the, way short. I don't know what yeah. he was thinking. Who I mean, I'm either knows? I'm either going for it because that's a 50-50 chance or I'm putting the football. I, I, for him, I mean, that's that's one that if, if, if Georgia would have then had the ability to score and win that football game, his ass might have been fired on the spot I mean, for that. It was I mean, that's, a that's, baffling, a, that's a call that could end your career. Baffling coaching decision. Georgia gets the ball and needs like 20 yards, and they have no timeouts left, but – 20 yards to get into Rodrigo's field position. Sorry, they have one timeout left. I think they had one timeout left. I'm not quite sure. But going back to what you said earlier, Jake Fromm was off. The first play they ran, DeAndre Swift comes out of the backfield on an angle route, gets behind the linebackers. He is easily going to go for 25 to 30 yards, and Fromm almost threw an interception. He was way behind him. A pass, a high percentage pass that he usually always makes. And then you get Swift in space. Who knows what could have happened there? I mean, break one tackle, and you're into a much more manageable situation. Luckily, that was just an incomplete pass. Georgia gets into field goal range at the 38-yard line, which is Rodrigo's range, okay? And I talked to my dad, all right? My dad, the kicker, the guy knows what he's talking about. I said, what the hell was going on? He said, look, I watched pregame, and Rodrigo was making 55-yarders. So as a kicker, you have the conversation with your head coach before the game and your special teams coordinator, and you say, heading to the east end zone, I like me from 55. Heading to the west end zone, which is the open one with the new locker room, I like me from 50. Rodrigo made a 50-yarder, or was it 53-yarder? I forget. Had a couple of yards to spare. This was going into the east end zone, and from what I understand— he had not given the okay to the coaches to say, I'm good from 60. But in the situation, right, at the end of the game, they did call timeout because now I remember before the illegal shift, which I yeah, think Yeah, that might was be the craziest Jake's thing I've ever fault, seen. Right? Because the play no, clock because was running down. The play clock was running went. out. Yeah. So why why do the ball. receivers need to switch, though? That's my issue. Why are you switching? The play's not going to you. Just freaking line up and run the run. Just go run your routes. And, and if, I think if it's there more was, of them. If there was no, okay, so let's we can blame the receivers. Because Aaron, you just said it perfect. The ball's not going to you. Why are you switching? You. Just be well, still. Just go, man. I hate when receivers do that last second. And you should have some awareness too of where the play clock is and not switch at that last second. Get your ass lined up. 
sit there, run the play, because you're going to kick the field goal from 55, and Rodriguez probably going to make it, right? I mean, yes. you think he will. I'll give him a 50% shot to make that kick. It's not 100%. Than, than South Carolina's kicker. No question. So then yes. we get a five-yard penalty. There's eight seconds left on the clock. I'm thinking, do you kick it now? They run one more play, and then they call the after the uh, penalty Rodrigo is out there taking his steps and I'm sitting there going is there a conversation happening or is Rodrigo just being seen is Rodrigo saying give me this kick I want to kick it or he was far away though it didn't seem like he's saying coaches I wanted to know if there was a conversation there because the decision is between head coach and kicker it's as simple as that okay that is the matter of fact the decision is between head coach and kicker. To me, from the outside, I didn't see a conversation. Kirby obviously knows from pregame that 60s out of his range. Now, statistically, what's a more probable play, a Hail Mary or a 60-yard field goal? I don't know, but I, I guess would my say with Rodriguez, I'd say 60. I'd I would say 60, say 60 for yard field goal as well. I was scratching my head. I was so bummed we didn't at least give Rodrigo a shot to kick the ball. Jake almost gets sack fumbled. Luckily, he didn't. They go to overtime, all right, and we'll we'll get past this game in a second. They go to overtime. South Carolina gets or Georgia gets the ball first, throws a pick, goes right off Tyler Simmons' hands. Not Jake's fault because I was going to be a first down to move the chains. South Carolina's kicker misses a thirty-four yarder. I mean, this was the most insane game. Two teams who simply did not want to win, and then in the second overtime, South Carolina had a fourth and one. The play clock was at one second. And, and Kirby, Kirby calls called a timeout. a timeout. Okay, now I know it ended up not hurting because they didn't score a touchdown. But with South Carolina's kicker already having missed the 34-yarder, Aaron, they weren't running a play. They were no. not going to snap the ball. It was going to be a five-yard penalty. It was going to be fourth and six. I think, I, think, I think he was nervous for a possible quarterback sneak, and his yeah. guys weren't set up. I think that was it. I think okay. he looked at the defense and said, holy smokes, we're not in wide position open. for a quarterback sneak. I think the left A-gap, I believe if I'm right, was wide open. There's like and it no would have three been, technique it, there. Yeah, there was no one there in that A-gap. I think it would have been an easy – if they did call a QB sneak, I think they would have gotten it. So I think he was like, oh, crap, let me call a timeout. I'm not giving up an easy first down. But that also gave up Georgia's own timeout, okay, which ended yes. up not costing him because Cal Carolina no. makes the field goal, then Arrigo gets a chance with a 42-yarder, hooks it left, dogs lose. I mean, it was a, a comedy of errors – from a, a perspective of Georgia football, they take a loss and give South Carolina credit. I mean, they went in there, they brought their best. Georgia played their worst, and Georgia still almost won the game, which is just unbelievable. Florida ended up losing as well, so you start the day exactly, you end the day exactly where you started it. Look, How you got to run the I mean, table. You got to run the table. And I had my I had my Aaron Mullen head on uh, for most of that football game. The offense is rolling. And then for some reason, and, and you and I are texting about this, he decides to put in uh, Emory, Emory Jones. Jones. I couldn't understand why. Trask well, was balling. Dude, Trask was in that one drive. Trask is just driving, 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 driving. You put Emory in, Emory gets stuffed. And then you you see Dan Mullen and, and Kyle Trask on the sideline having a conversation. And Kyle's like, am I in? He goes, yeah, go in there. So then Kyle rushes in there, calls the play, gets a line of scrimmage, hikes at hike, and throws an interception. But you throw off his mojo. The dude's in a rhythm, man. He's like a pitcher throwing a great game, and you're like, oh, never mind, I want to pull you real quick and then yeah. put you back in, which obviously is not allowed at MLB. But it's kind of the same mindset. He's feeling good. Don't take him out. Yeah. Don't. I could not I know, you, I know you said that, hey, listen, you know, before the game, we have a plan to get Emory in there, and we want to get him snaps. But if your starter is having a tremendous game and it's tight and LSU is scoring at will versus your defense, 
don't screw with the quarterback position. Totally agree. Just Especially against it. that defense in that atmosphere. Well, because, I mean, because Florida goes down there right now, and he, if, if, if Kyle Trask doesn't throw the pick, which I think a lot of it I would blame for the fact that he was he was pulled off the field that for a couple plays. That pick in the back of the end zone you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. I think the way they were moving the football that drive, they score and tie that football game up, and then who knows what happens from there. You know, I just I don't like the quarterback back and forth in a big time game like that. And especially because Emory Emory's not Tim Tebow. And you go back to, to when Dan Mullen was there with Tim Tebow and Chris Leak his freshman year. Tim was the the bruiser. Tim yeah. was the goal line. Tim was no the third doubt. of two, the fourth of one. Emory Jones is, you know, uh, 205 pounds. pounds. Yeah, 185 yeah. pounds. I mean, he is, he is, is small. He's not going to go get you a first down over and over again against elite defenses trying to stick his nose in between the tackles. So if he's not Tebow, why are you messing around with it and putting him in there and getting hit? So uh, I, I thought I think that's what killed this team because they were in it, man. They were in it the entire no game. Question. They had, they had the lead in the second half for a little bit. And I think that is the uh, that's that's something that Dan's gonna have to figure out going forward is what is our plan with Emory Jones? Are we gonna continue to play him in these big games, or if Kyle's feeling it, we're just gonna keep Kyle in there? You gotta stay with the hot hand. I mean, I text you, and you can take it as you will. It may sound mean, but again, we're just talking football here. Felipe Frank's going down is the best thing that happened to this Florida team because Kyle Trask knows how to run Dan Mullen's offense, and like you said, talk about Tebow being a bruiser that dude's over 240 pounds he is a monster he can run the ball he was running the option he's got the rpo game down he certainly is bringing confidence to that florida offense speaking of confidence and offense joe burrow on the flip side i, I mean give it to him give start it to him the heisman now. campaign it, it is it better been already started it he's is the, to me he's doing exactly what two is doing with if you're gonna give two in those receivers for Alabama an A plus for just overall position group, you give you'd give LSU a a an A minus. Yeah. You know they're 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 a notch just below. They're probably they're the second best receiving core in the SEC, probably a top five receiving core in the country, but they're not on the level of Alabama's receivers. They're just not. I mean those guys over there in Tuscaloosa are. They're wide they're, open. They're, they're they're ready to play NFL football right now. So they are what wide Joe, ass open. Joe Burrow's doing is phenomenal. He's the Heisman man, and yeah. and, and and people are like you know well people go back to last year, and I'm talking about the NFL draft here for him, not talking about Heisman, but potential being number one pick. Oh, people look at last year, and he wasn't very good. That offense sucked last year. It hindered him from doing anything. This totally. is this is a pro offense. You know, you don't even go back and watch last year's tape because it doesn't translate into what the NFL looks like right now when it comes to concepts. What LSU is running right now is the same stuff you're watching 90% of the teams in the NFL run, and he's running it to perfection. I mean, this is a good Florida defense, one of the best in the country with some good DBs, a great play caller, and he had three incompletions. Three incompletions. Yeah, I mean, that's special. He He's he's uh, he's the Heisman winner, and I'm going to say it over and over again. If I'm the Miami Dolphins, I'm picking him in the first. Oh, wow. Who wow. would you? I mean, I hadn't even thought about it. I don't think Tua is by far and away some immediate transition, put him in the NFL starting quarterback. I definitely do not think that. I Joe think Burrow right now. looks like it. I mean, he looks like he's got what it takes, especially like, like, 
Herbert's off, Oregon's offense does not translate to the NFL. No, you're right. Especially like you just said, he is in a he is in a NFL offense right now. He is playing extremely good football. I got a question for you. Just last week, you were telling me Ohio State's the number one team in the nation. Is LSU the best team in the nation right now? No, I'm going Ohio State. So I'm sick with Ohio State. They, right. they, they to me. Because LSU's defense is still a question mark. I mean, you had you had everything going with you for that football game. You have a quarterback, yeah, who home crowd games. You have a loud crowd. It's eight o'clock prime time. First and ever like, road start for Kyle Trask, I think. First ever road start for Kyle Trask, and, and Kyle Trask had a tremendous game. Yeah. And, and I, like I said, if, if if Dan Mullen hadn't kind of gone back and forth with him and kind of you know played that quarterback carousel. I think Florida makes that game even closer. So I think LSU's defense still worries me where you look at Ohio State right now and and there's just nothing about that team that scares me. You know, that scares me in a bad way. Yeah. You know, offense is solid, defense is solid. There's just no real holes that you can poke at. So I would still put Ohio State one, um, Alabama two, LSU three, and Clemson four. And, I like and, that. Dude, I mean t- – Oklahoma though, I know. I'm sure we'll talk about that game. But Oklahoma's defense looked damn good too, though. And all of a sudden, you talk about that team with their ability to have explosive plays with C.D. Lamb and Jalen at quarterback, and then you have a good defense. I mean, there's six teams because I'll throw in Wisconsin. Oh, shit, yeah, man. They're, they're four shutouts. Defense, one of the best in the country. Yeah, best run in the country, and their quarterback uh, was it Cohen is playing tremendous right now. So. I don't know. This is the year that you kind of wish there's eight teams in the playoffs because I think all eight of these guys are awesome. And the good thing is they're going to play each other. Yeah, Alabama, it'll play itself out. Alabama will play the the two that are kind of to me the two shoe ins at the moment are Clemson and, and Oklahoma because gotcha. Oklahoma got through their big test. Clemson, we know their schedule. They're not going to face anyone. I, I don't see Texas beating Oklahoma at the end of the year. I think both those teams rolling undefeated, and then now it's. You know, now it's fighting for two spots, and 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 I think Ohio State gets it, or Wisconsin gets it, whenever wins that game, and then obviously Alabama and LSU at the moment. Week eight AP top twenty-five poll came out earlier today. Number one Alabama, LSU jumps up three spots to number two. Clemson number three, Ohio State number four, Oklahoma five, Wisconsin six, Penn State seven with a big win in Kinnick Stadium. Notre Dame eight, Florida nine, Georgia ten, Auburn. 11. So uh, LSU beats Florida 42-28, covers. So Aaron, you got that one wrong. I got that one right. We were both 3-2 and two this week in punt, pass, and pick. Oklahoma beat Texas 34-27. Texas with a late score for the backdoor cover. You just mentioned it. I don't know how you stop Jalen Hurts. He is a running back. Then he can throw. Then he puts the ball mistakes. behind his back. I mean, it's kind of insane. And well, he made he made some silly plays though. He has he to clean some up. But other than that, yeah. and, and, and you know, Texas was able to continue putting points on the board. Kept it close. You said this game would go under. It most certainly did. The over under was seventy seven points at close, or maybe even seventy eight. Um, so Oklahoma looks like they are continued class of the Big Twelve. I don't think. I mean, they'll probably have one of those scary games, which top teams usually have to deal with throughout the season. Well, they, got, they got West Virginia, no. no. Kansas State, no. no. Iowa State, maybe. Mm, is it in Ames? No, it's 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 at Oklahoma. Yep. Baylor is number eighteen. Yeah, Baylor's undefeated. At Baylor, TCU, and then at Oklahoma State, and then obviously you'll play in the Big Twelve Championship game. So I mean, they'll they'll. I, I don't see them falling. Um, they're, to me, they're kind of like Ohio State right now. They they're playing they're playing solid football and they have good leadership. And I think they're just a really focused football team that 
And I think Jalen, Jalen's the one that gives me the confidence. I think he is such a big chip on his shoulder that he's not going to have a down week and he's not, gonna, he's not going to allow the guys around him to have a down week as well. So, um, I think they're in. I think those two right now are feeling pretty good about getting into the playoffs. All right, let's talk about one more team before we kind of like talk people off the ledge and then get looking towards week eight. That's the Wisconsin Badgers. I'm just going to read out their scores. I don't give a damn who you are playing. They have won their games 49 nothing, 61-0, 35-14, 24-15, 48-0, 38-0. That's four shutouts. They're putting points on the board. Jim Leonard, defensive coordinator, probably will be a head coach somewhere next year. But this team right here is on a collision course with Ohio State. They play each other October 26th. That game is in Columbus. And they turn around after a bye week and play Iowa um, and Minnesota. I mean, Wisconsin's got a pretty nice little schedule as well. But, man, they are playing some good football right now. And it just seems like, for whatever reason, that defense combined with that running game is going to continue to give people fits. And I cannot wait for that Ohio State matchup. Oh, that game is going to be tremendous. I mean, you're talking about both teams that play well on both sides of the football. Um, I mean, they're the class of that, that league right now. I know Michigan's had some wins after their uh, their big debacle a couple weeks ago. But it's, it's, it's Wisconsin. And and currently right now and, and Penn State look good. I mean, Penn yeah. State surprised me going to Iowa. They're playing good defense, getting it done just enough on the offensive side of the football. But I, I just think those two are on a different level right now and kind of on a collision course to whoever wins that game is going to win uh, win the Big Ten. Yeah, keep in mind, Wisconsin's in the Big Ten West. Ohio State's in the Big Ten East, so regardless, if they continue on the same pace, they might match up again in Indianapolis in the Big Ten championship game. Yes, yeah, so Aaron and I both went three and two in our picks this week for the season. I'm 27 and 14. Aaron is 23 and 18. Not too shabby whatsoever. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Let's talk people off the ledge for just one second because I know the state of Georgia had a really shitty sports week. Braves get crushed in game five. Falcons lost today off a missed extra point in the last second. Rodrigo missed the 42-yarder yesterday. Certainly was not his fault. Georgia just had an awful day and took an L to South Carolina. First unranked opponent that they lost to at home since 2016. I think biggest favorite loss at home ever in Sanford Stadium. 21-and-a-half play favorite. That is a humongous line to lose a football game outright. I saw a guy... With a clever tweet, he said it's tough to cover 21 points when you only score 17. That is a fact. Let's talk about Georgia, their outlook for the rest of the season. They're going to welcome in Kentucky, get a bye week, and then a huge game against Florida in Jacksonville. But keep in mind, Florida's got to go to Columbia next week, take on South Carolina. That could be juicy. a testy game because Florida. Well, it got, depends on it depends on how healthy Helinski is, though. I agree. I mean, that's going to be the key. I don't think I don't think Joyner is going to get it done, um, but who knows? He may surprise if he gets all the reps in practice. But Helinski, Helinski looks good. He's looked good at times this year uh, for a freshman quarterback. But if he's not the guy, I, I don't see that happening. I still think Florida and both Georgia look at the rest of the year and say, "Listen, we lost the game, but." We still have an opportunity. I mean, that game in Jacksonville is going to determine who goes on and 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 what has a chance to play the SEC championship game. And, and for both teams, if you go eleven and one and win the SEC championship, you're in the playoffs. So neither season's over with. You know, obviously you have to win out. I mean, you had your one moment to kind of falter a little bit, but you keep winning. Like I said, you win that game in Jacksonville, where whoever it is, 
and you have you have you, you give yourself a chance. You give yourself you a chance in Atlanta. Yes, you control your destiny. destiny. Even though it doesn't make sense, my man John Kincaid, six eight of the fan, hates that saying because destiny is in definition not controllable. You control your own destiny. Look, Florida lost. You are exactly where you started yesterday morning. Yes, you have a blemish on your record, but you have to right the wrongs. You cannot turn the ball over four times and not get any takeaways. I don't care who you're playing. You're going to make it extremely hard on yourselves. This is a statistic for all of our Atlanta listeners. This was from Mike Ryder on Twitter. The Braves Georgia curse lives on. Put your thinking cap on because this is pretty unbelievable. In 2012, the Braves lost to the Cardinals in the world. I mean, the wild card game. Georgia lost their next game at South Carolina. In 2013, Braves lost to the Dodgers in the NLDS. Georgia lost their next game to Missouri. In 2018, Braves lost to the Dodgers in the NLDS. Georgia lost their next game at LSU. And in 2019, the Braves lose to the Cardinals in the NLDS. Georgia loses to South Carolina in their next game. So now that the Braves season's done, Georgia, it's all good. good. It's all good. All right, week eight's coming up. Not really quite sure about the schedule. I know these next two weeks in the SEC are a bit dicey with some bye weeks. Georgia's kicking off at 6 p.m. The 3.30 game is LSU-Mississippi State. Florida, South Carolina, which I'm going to circle as one of my top games of the week, depending on Holinsky, like you just said, Aaron. They're kicking off at noon on ESPN. Bigger games of the week, though. I'm pulling it up right now before we get out of here in the top 25. Ohio State plays Northwestern on Friday night. Auburn, Arkansas, just really not. Oregon, Washington. That's an interesting game out west. 3.30 p.m. on ABC, number 12, Oregon against number 25, Washington, and that's pretty much it. Michigan, Penn State. Okay, number 16, Michigan at number 7, Penn State. 7.30 p.m. on ABC. I'm sure that'll be a whiteout. And then Tennessee, Alabama, 9 p.m. Eastern, ESPN. People, keep your heads up. It's college football season. Georgia's never, I guess recently, been to the SEC championship game when undefeated. SEC football, it'll all work itself out. Aaron, anything on the way out, my man? No, um, getting myself ready for a nice little trip to Hawaii. So we'll get oh, a nice early show this week. So baby, yep. hey now, hey now, good for you. You deserve it. You deserve yes. it. Thanks for listening. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Aaron Murray Eleven. I'm at Drew Butler Thirteen. We are at Punt and Pass, and we will talk to you on Thursday. See you.